matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we? Come play with us, Danny. Bad luck to kill a seabird. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and this week, my guest is the one and only Billy Bollinger from one of my personal favorite pop-punk bands, Crucial Dudes. Now, before we get into this week's interview, I just want to remind you guys and gals that next Monday, March 1st, my Patreon will be going officially live, and there's only going to be one tier available. It's going to be $2 a month, and one of the perks, and probably the biggest perk, is going to be the monthly bonus episode, which the first one will also be going live on March 1st, with every episode of the month going live on the 1st, as far as the bonus episodes are concerned. So, my first guest for those is going to be Eric Claxon of the bands I Am and Sledge, and we're going to be talking about the movie Videodrome. So, make sure you go check that out and sign up on March 1st. Go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and here's the interview. I appreciate you coming on the show. We can start with a little bit of music stuff before we jump into the horror stuff, of course. Oh, sure uh, thing, man. Let's do it. If you don't mind, just tell me a little bit about how you guys came together to form a Crucial, du- uh, Crucial Dudes back in the day. Uh, so, like, uh, without boring you with, like, the the messy parts of it and everything, and you know, uh, like, member changes and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I was in between bands. Like, I think it was, like, 2008 or 2009. And in the most like millennial dumb way possible, I had answered a MySpace like one ad. Hell yeah! <laughs> from uh, Jason for for this band that he was in, and it was kind of like for your strongy type stuff, mm. which uh, is fine, but uh, it wasn't exactly what I was looking to do. But I but I like Jason so much. We had like a lot of stuff in common, like like Gaspar Noe films and uh, David Lynch and alan moore comics and stuff like that so like i liked being around him and i was like all right dude let's we should start another band that's good (laughs) (laughs) and i ended up like we had met alec at a show i think he already knew alec but i met alec at a show and he was like you know we just talked our ears off about like the movie life and saves the day we're like we should do this band together and let's have jason sing and that sounds great and then so our drummer Cheeks, this is like the longest, dumbest story. No, you're fine. <laughs> so so Cheeks was like uh, a dude that I've known for probably at this point, like 15 or 16 years or something crazy. Yeah. We came in like the same scene around here in South Jersey. And uh, he was in like this like really good post-hardcore band that opened for the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've, I've known him forever. So I was filling in for a band that he was in. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, do you just want to play some Saves the Day songs? And he's like, yes. <laughs> so that was basically the, the core structure. And then Brandon, our bass player, joined right before 6110. And okay. that's basically where we are now. <laughs> okay, hell yeah. Like, what inspired you uh, to come out and do this 10-year anniversary vinyl for 6110? Uh, nostalgia, wistfulness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just like... It's cool being in a band that like wasn't like so. So we were around for a couple of years and didn't really like you know didn't make a splash in the water or anything. Yeah. And then we break up in like this weird 
firework fashion online and it, it kind of like built like this weird myth around everything we did yeah. where like people thought we weren't really people <laughs> which is which is a strange place to be in but yeah. uh like we got back together around 2015 2016 and to do those reunion shows and yeah. they were like they were super fun and super they went super well so we we're just like let's just do stuff when we can and then like the next thing you know everyone's working in like jobs and doing like going back to school and stuff and then it's 10 years later yeah <laughs> so we're like it'd be cool to do something especially if there's interest in it like it'd be cool to see if you know people want these records that they weren't able to get yeah like 10 years ago <laughs> Yeah, because some people would say, oh, the short answer is it's just money grab. But with vinyl being expensive to produce and stuff, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys did this pretty DIY. It's, yeah, uh, we did this all, uh, like, all, we got the rights back to our record and we, we did everything in-house. Yeah, so it's a, uh, what people don't realize is that it's very actually risky. You could lose a lot of money if it didn't sell well, you know what I mean? So it's not oh, really, totally. there's no way it's like the thought in the head is, oh, let's do this cash grab because there's always that risk that you just lose a shit ton of money if people don't pick up the vinyl. So Exactly. Especially with you guys not really having that social media presence as far as a band goes. You know, like, uh, I think you guys have a Facebook, but there's really no Instagram or uh, you might have a Twitter. We have a Twitter and yeah. we're like, we're, we're fucking ghosts. <laughs> yeah. We're ghosts to the world. We actually, our, our Facebook page, so when we broke up, we were all kind of pissy and like deleted all our social media so we're like shut it all down and then like we ended up getting access to the facebook page through a dude who started like a fan account yeah <laughs> so it was like hey this used to be a fan account now i guess we're the we're those guys oh hell yeah it, it makes it easier to being not real musicians <laughs> <laughs> it does make it easier because facebook kind of uh sucks to promote like i always have the worst time trying to promote on Facebook without like paying money and stuff, you know? So yeah, it, it, it feels like not fun. And I'm like a, like, I work in digital marketing and that side of things always seems like such a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So now I, don't, I definitely don't blame you to uh, kind of get that jump start on the likes. And it's people that like the band, obviously, because they're liking the fan page. So it's not like you stole likes from another band. It's obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's awesome. Uh, so do you guys think that you might actually do any more reunion shows once COVID's over with? I know you probably you guys won't do a full tour or anything with everybody working, but maybe like a festival or just like an East Coast run or something. Yeah, we, we've talked about uh, doing some stuff. I, I never say never on yeah. stuff like this. So like, you know, I, I think we're just stoked to get back into like a room and hang out together and just see each other's faces. Hell yeah. No, I don't blame you at all. But, uh, and I was in comment on the Facebook page thing. Uh, I actually think that because a lot of us deleted our personal Facebooks, like I got another one now, obviously, because that's how we connected and stuff. But I just made a new one instead of reactivating my old one. So I honestly don't think any of the old band members from my old band, like, like has rights to our Facebook page. It's still there <laughs> exactly. with like a couple thousand likes. But I think like one of our old friends that like, we randomly just was like, here, you could take it because, you know, we're no longer a band. So who cares? Like we started adding people at the end. And I think whoever was like the last man standing kind of ended up with it. So. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I have to uh, try to put out the feelers there one day just to see who has it because it's just, you know, it'd be funny. Yeah, to find just, out. just shoot it out into the universe, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'd probably just message the page and see if they actually check it. But I didn't actually think about that way. But 
So uh, we can move on to the horror movies, man. If you don't mind, just tell me what your relationship was with them growing up and, you know, if it's changed at all now. Because, you know, I started off being kind of scared of them myself. Exactly. Uh, same. So, so I think, like, one of my first memories about horror is being, like, you know, like four years old, maybe four or five, and going, like, sneaking out of my room and going behind the couch to, like, <laughs> watch a Friday the 13th film. Hell yeah. And it's like, it's like one of the like small acts of rebellion that you can do as like a kid. So you're like, oh, like I can just sneak out and I'm not supposed to watch this thing, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And then it's like terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, so it, there's such like a fun, cool rush to being scared that like I was super excited about it. And my grandfather, this is, this is like, I feel like everyone had a grandfather like this, where like your grandfather is kind of like a shit kicker, cool dude. And he also taped literally everything off of cable TV. <laughs> so he had like vaults and vaults of like just tapes that would be like extended play tapes that have three or four movies recorded from a Hell night yeah. uh, on like HBO or Cinemax or something like that. Yeah. And like I would just blaze through those and he's actually I was probably six and he showed me the Toxic Avenger oh hell yeah and it was like this big like whoa what is this yeah now I'll say that uh, that's one thing is is I saw some of the scarier horror movies when I was young and stuff like that but uh even like the most brutal stuff I saw I will say wasn't like just crazy and like out just like bat shit out there like the toxic avenger so i can only Nothing, imagine i don't think anything's like that fucking movie <laughs> yeah but i'm just mean like any like i you know uh movies like street trash or uh even like some of the early other earlier trauma films and stuff you know because i was still you know in my early teenage years when those came, uh, came out um i kind of those are some films that i kind of wish i was exposed to a little earlier because then i'd have a lot more in my uh like under my belt as far as like i've seen them and stuff like that you know what and i mean th so. those films are so like like the attitude behind them is so easy to get on board with if you're like yeah. someone that likes punk and hardcore like you're just like everything's so diy down to like the core of it that it's it's really exciting filmmaking yeah no doubt trauma is pretty much at this point like the uh like the agnostic front and sick of it all of like independent filmmaking, especially being from New York and stuff, just like they are. So. <laughs> They've been around, been around forever. They're kind of rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah, but no matter what, they get the shit done. It's like they exactly they, they, they just keep <laughs> pumping shit out too, like and uh, constantly going too and grinding and stuff. So definitely awesome to see. But would you say that you have an all-time favorite or? That's tough. Uh, you can spit out a few like uh, Texas Chainsaw is probably my favorite. Like hell yeah, as far as like the scariest film that I think I, th I think it's Texas Chainsaw there's mm -hmm. something about that film there's something really magical about how raw and disgusting and gritty it is and how simple it is and kind of just like sound design and like suggestive cuts and yeah. it's it's just like pure terror from an artistic standpoint I think Suspiria is probably my favorite oh yeah I the Dar like Dario's work is like a fairy tale yeah all the time and you're just in this like lucid dream state of just wading through some posh Italian man's nightmare 
Oh yeah. And speaking of uh, sound design, those are two that have like almost completely different like takes on it because like you said with Texas Chainsaw, it uh, uses it well, but it also uses like silence very well. You know what I mean? Like it uses that for its tension and stuff to where Suspiria pretty much is just goblin jamming the whole fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a <laughs> cacophony and noise. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I definitely enjoy both of those. Have you seen uh, both of those got remakes? Do you enjoy remakes? And like, did you, how'd you feel about both of those remakes if you yeah, saw them? So, so I, I, I knew we were going to end up talking about Suspiria and I did want to talk to you about the remake. Did you like it? I... Okay, so I didn't grow up on Suspiria, like the original, so I saw that like recently. My personal opinion is I like the new, I like the remake better. But I like it a lot. I, I, it's really, you know, divisive along those lines of like irritants. Yeah. I, I think with with remakes for me, remakes feel more like kind of. I I feel like remakes are are kind of like a like folk tales, you know? Yeah. Like it takes like a horror story back to its roots to me and it, either it works for you or it doesn't and you know sometimes it doesn't but with I think with Suspiria and what Luca did with it yeah it is something really cool it's not it, it's the movie that you I think you would think Suspiria is yeah because it's so like his film is so centered on in, in with like dance and feminine energy and Dario's film is like a weird fairy tale <laughs> yeah so it, it's really interesting i i liked it a lot and i think that one scene like the dance where she's like being controlled and she's like just twisting in these unimaginable positions and there's like that cracking yes it's really effective i saw that <laughs> in a theater in delaware on halloween night uh like opening night and there was like maybe two other people in there and we were sitting way too close to each <laughs> other for it to be like this weird thing that we were watching. It felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. And that movie's uncomfortable off the fucking bat because like the shit that Chloe Grace Moretz comes in screaming to fucking uh, the therapist, she's like talking about her vagina and shit. I mean, she's being explicit. Oh but yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what she's saying, but she's talking like, she's saying some really explicit shit. And then, uh, now, that's one thing I really like about that film. And it's super well detailed, too. Like, one thing I found out after the fact, of course, because I don't speak the languages and stuff. But if you notice, the de- uh, the subtitles will have different, like, colors behind them and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's because there's two different languages being spoken in the movie. There's, like, I think there's uh, Italian and then there's, like, German and stuff. So when they're speaking German, it's, like, blue. And when it's Italian, it's red or vice versa and stuff. So so that was really cool. And then uh, I'm right there with you. It's We can reference Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that's the perfect, like, remake to, like, count on even though that one did a good job of not trying to recreate like nubbins and the grandpa and stuff like that i feel like which was uh like smart on them they still tried to recreate like the dinner scene and uh her walking up with you know the booty shot and yeah um, it's like hitting on those like like very specific things i think that movie's yeah. not bad no I same here seen it in a couple of years but should probably revisit it but other than uh Especially because Michael Bay did it. It's surprising that it's that good. But uh, now I actually really enjoy that one myself. But I'm just saying in comparison to like Suspiria, like Suspiria feels like he literally just took the mythology built by uh, Dario Argento and like, you know, like kind of just turned that into a whole new film with, you know, because there's really not any beats in that whole movie that match up. There's really just some names and that's it. Like, no, not at all. And, and even like once you get to like that, that finale in yeah. Lucas Suspiria, where it's like there's like all that like Gregorian chanting and like <laughs> it's it's pretty heavy like it feels so 
different than yeah. it that I, I don't even think you could probably just call that a different movie and it would be just as effective like I feel like the Suspiria name doesn't really tie to anything to it but I like it, I'm glad it exists <laughs> yeah no in the original Suspiria I feel like it kind of ends with in uh of course, we're spoiling these movies, but who cares? Yeah, we're just we're just going off. Like, yeah. like, hope you guys have seen these forty-year-old movies. <laughs> well, I, and I usually spoil movies up here, anyways, which I try to say spoiler early, but we haven't really spoiled the ending. But I'm about to spoil the ending, so that's why I wanted to say a spoiler, just because you know it's one thing to spoil a scene, but to spoil the whole ending is one uh, another thing. So, spoiler alert for the ending of both Suspirias. But uh, one thing I like about them is with the original one, it's like Susie is kind of like you're just happy she survived. There's no like oh hell yeah she killed him and tore the place down you're just like oh like she made it out that's cool yeah exactly with this new one i feel like this Susie, you're like fuck yeah pop their heads off like that and like you're kind of like it's validation for uh Susie in this one so because they almost uh i don't know it's just i guess the way that they were like plotting to kill her in the original one and they were plotting to kill her in this one which is probably one of the only beats that like follows up that's one thing i liked is that that's like the only thing he really used but he used it in such a different way that it almost doesn't even feel like it was the same thing you know yeah exactly so i think i think there's an elephant in this virtual room between me and you what's that so did you get to watch danzig's movie or did you not oh no 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 yeah no i haven't seen that i uh i've been trying to watch some other good stuff so (laughs) you're you're not missing much (laughs) but it's really it was really interesting yeah to it's, see his weird psyche displayed on screen <laughs> that's one I, I think i want to wait and watch when i have like a group of people to like laugh at it with like no offense i to think i think that's why i have this weird like thing with that movie yeah. is that i was there for for that screening in new york when he was there and yeah. it was it's so funny to me that he like he like sat there like people are just ripping this film apart and it's like I've been to tons of screenings where that happens, but I've never been there when a filmmaker was in presence somewhere in the, in the theater. Yeah. And then he comes out and he like sits on stage and then has to be like, yeah, like this scene reminded, like I was influenced by Franz Zhu's eyes without a face. And this is my tribute to Kato's beauty and the beast. And it's like, Oh dude, you were so far. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell are you seeing dude like nah i uh i definitely need to check that one out but like i said i i think it uh it would take away from it to watch it on my own you know what i mean it would be a lot funner to watch it with at least like a buddy or two but uh no i haven't seen that one is there any actually uh good newer stuff that you've seen though that you enjoyed like and by newer i just mean in like the past 10 or 15 years you know what i mean other than the remix there's a ton so so i've gotten like when when i was a kid uh i had like severe allergies and was getting like weekly allergy shots so I would be Mm. out of commission for a while so I would like go to our local video store when it existed and wasn't a liquor store (laughs) (laughs) which is the same liquor store I go to now (laughs) (laughs) when I was a kid I would rent literally everything that was on the shelf yeah and just blast through it in a weekend and so most of that stuff was not very good but it's how I saw a lot of the classics Mm-hmm. and kind of drove me to keep looking for things that I could find. So, like, I get super stoked about new movies all the time. Uh, I just recently, like, this week, I watched Promise, uh, Promising Young Woman. Okay, how was that? And it's good. 
it's really stylish and yeah. are, are you a rape rev can you do the rape revenge films or no yeah i like them i just don't like when uh the rape scene dwells too long like i watched that one um fuck i think it was just called revenge i think is the shutter one that was like Austri austrian or australian or whatever i love that movie yeah that one was really good Where so i think i think my thing with them is there there's a very fine line between it being like the act as part of the person's story and a, and the act as titillation for the audience yeah and I, I there's films that do it really well like miss 45 does it well and i think even though i never want to watch it again i think uh like i spit on your grave does it really well yeah but promising young woman is like kind of the subversion of that idea and i think revenge does the same thing too where it subverts the thing to make it not as icky yeah uh promising young woman does it without the exploitation mm -hmm. which is really interesting but where it ends up going i didn't really land on it very well like i didn't yeah, i didn't I like kind of where it ended but it's a, it's super stylish and it's uh got a lot of buzz <laughs> yeah now i've been uh lingering on watching that one but there's some other stuff that i'd i'd rather like if I'm going to pay to rent something instead of watching something that's just streaming, there's some other stuff that's above it. Like I really want to see that psycho Gorman that just came out. And, uh, that looks really fun. I, yeah. I like the, that's the dude that did the void, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. And the voids rad. Uh, uh, I, I know you like possessor. Yeah. That was uh, my favorite of last year. I'm not going to lie. That was also my favorite of last year. <laughs> hell yeah. So at least with films from last year, uh, I think, did you see the relic yet? Or well, not the relic, but relic. No, not uh, not yet. Because what was funny is I actually saw something the other day posted like a flashback of the relic, and it was the creature from the relic. And I was like, yeah, does that old lady turn into that shit? And then I looked. I and always saw get, it as well. I always get the two confused. They're way too close in in a proximity for titles. <laughs> yeah, but no, I haven't so checked I'm that always, one out yet. But uh, it's really good. I I think that that's like a like it really stuck with me. Like a powerful film. Yeah. Um. I, that's the stuff I kind of gravitate towards now. Like I, I'll watch everything. Oh, like yeah. I have a stack of films in front of me right now that is just stupid, <laughs> <laughs> stupid big. But uh, like when you can feel something, like I know, I know. Uh, in past episodes, you've talked about Ari Aster's work, and yeah, I think he like no one. That <laughs> there's a dumb quote from like a like. Have you ever seen The Tenant? like the Roman Polanski film? No, I've, uh, it, I think I've seen it like posted or I think I've seen it like on streaming services and just never actually like looked to see when it was or something like that. But So there's a, there's a really unfortunate tagline for that film. Yeah. That's like, no one does it to you like Roman Polanski. <laughs> but like, I think you could say the same thing about Ari Aster right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone does that type of uncomfort and, and sickening dread like he's doing. Yeah. Like, so his films are really exciting to me. Do you do any VHS collecting or anything like that? No, I actually was going to try to, and I went to a local place and they had like nothing really horror at all. And uh, because I live in such a small town, there's not much as far as like, you know, thrift places. So I just immediately, like, I already collected Blu-rays. So I was like, I just would rather, I just figured I'd stay on the Blu-ray path. So I have like a handful of VHSs that are just sitting here from where I bought a bunch. But I think there's maybe like... uh I think the only horror movie I found was Bones, the Snoop Dogg movie. Oh, Bones! <laughs> Bones is great! <laughs> oh, yeah. 
But then I found like He's... Up in Smoke and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Like I got those on VHS, but I'd probably end up giving them away or something eventually. I just figured out, you know, I'm definitely not going to throw them out or nothing, but. So I, I feel like we're so spoiled here in like this part of South Jersey yeah. where we're so close to so many different things. You know, New York City is two and a half hours away. Philadelphia is a 30 minute drive. Yeah. And there's a, a drive-in out past Philadelphia, like maybe like an hour, hour and a half past Philadelphia. Yeah. That's, uh, they have like a documentary about the place. It's called like the Mahoning Drive-In. Oh yeah, I've seen. Uh, uh, I saw a bunch of the showings they were doing. I actually almost made the trip for a trauma dance this past year, but uh, oh, it looked it looked super fun. I didn't get yeah. to go because of COVID. I just didn't want to make the risk because my wife was pregnant. We have you know we have a baby now, but yes. at the time she was pregnant, so it was uh, she was either pregnant or like almost about to go into labor. So I was like, I don't want to be in PA because I was gonna go by myself and everything, and just you know uh, meet up with some people that live up there or whatever. But I just was like, I'd hate to be halfway up there and have to flip and turn it around and then the car break down or anything. And I missed my firstborn being born, you know, so I was yeah, like, it's exactly. not worth the risk, but. They do a couple different cool events, but they do one that's like drive-in VHS fest where they play VHS instead oh, yeah. of 35 prints. <laughs> and so like they, they do a lot of weird, terrible, but awesome shot on video stuff. Yeah. And that's like kind of like going going to the first one of those it got me kind of excited about VHS for some reason, because I, th I think there's a lot of stuff that's hard to like find on blue, even though like, you know, people like Vin, like vinegar syndrome and Severin yeah. are doing such great things with old prints, but there's stuff that still hasn't, you know, seen the light of day. Yeah. And so a lot of my like new watches that aren't just like normal streaming stuff will be like old films that I, have found on VHS that I'll, like I'll I'll there's like a store that I'll go to up in Asbury Park that has some stuff or like I'll do like some eBay shopping yeah and like I've seen some like real wild shit <laughs> what's uh throw, throw out like one or two of the movies you know with like a wild ass synopsis that you so seen I know I know you talk about the witch or the vich <laughs> yeah with a lot of people on this podcast which is a, a fantastic film. Yeah. And so one of my discoveries from last year was a movie called Eyes, on Fi Eyes of Fire. Okay. And it's from like 83. It's like a first time director doing kind of the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's this big kind, kind of like bigger budgeted indie that's doing like a period piece hmm. set around like a disgraced like pastor who is packing up his flock and leaving and trying to find like a promised land yeah. and running into like native americans and something about the area that they're in isn't exactly cool or safe <laughs> it's like really really cool i think you can find it if you can't find the vhs you can find it on youtube yeah but like i, I i'm hoping like so vestron does all those re-releases that they've been doing like mm. uh they just did shivers uh cronenberg yeah and i'm hoping that they pull this one out of the vaults that would be <laughs> kind of awesome <laughs> yeah that's the one thing too is there's more companies like you said doing blu-rays because vestron's returned and then uh you know Syn uh synapses they've been doing it for a while now and then uh vinegar syndrome does them and then arrow and shout i feel like some of those are also starting to go a little bit more rare with the movies they hit too but now i'm right there oh with yeah you. There's a, 
my only thing is because I didn't start watching horror so early, like uh, I, so, every now and then if somebody recommends one of those video, uh, shot on video movies, I'll try to find it on YouTube because right now there's so much shit, like even on Tubi, there's so many of those movies that are, uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome might've put out, you know, they put those streaming on Tubi and stuff or uh, Amazon Prime is really good for horror. So it's really oh, yeah. easy nowadays to find like obscure horror. It's just a matter of finding a good obscure horror, <laughs> finding that and shit. The, the, the shot on video stuff is like, I think the the first one that I that I knew that I saw. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I've seen like something beforehand, but there's there is a a production company out of Philadelphia that used to run a 24 hour horathon. Oh yeah. Called Exhumed Films, and one one of the 24 hour movie marathons they did, they played a film called Boarding House. Yeah. And it was like it, it was nothing I've ever seen before, and <laughs> it's just like the most incoherent mess but it, going back to like what we were talking about with trauma like trauma trauma <laughs> we're talking about trauma there's that diy punk rock like ethos behind it yeah and those films like excite me to no end they can be the worst vile wretched piece of shit that i've ever seen and there's something about them that's endlessly charming to me yeah no that's one thing i uh i really that's one thing i do actually give props to amazon prime for because i know joe bigos can go fuck himself or what or jeff bigos or whatever Bezos. i don't even know his fucking name but he could go fuck himself regardless but he does suck as far as like paying people and all that like i know a lot of people will get like screwed as far as like selling their blu-rays through amazon but as far as like when you go on their streaming service there's a lot of movies that are streaming for free that people might not check out unless it's up there that are like straight up indie films like uh, i don't know if you've seen that newer one called the barn I haven't seen it, but it's on my list, actually. <laughs> yeah, that one's actually really fun, and it feels like you're watching an old shot-on-video film from, like, the 80s or something like that because it's very low-budget, and uh, somehow the practical effects still work, which I guess that's one of the good things about their, them doing it today is, you know, today's low-budget practical effects are about mid-level practical effects from the 80s. So. Yeah, exactly. That stuff's always exciting, too. I think, I think the stuff that they did in The Void is, is oh, fuck yeah. breathtaking work. Yeah. No, it was like a mixture of practical effects with like a touch up of CGI, it felt like. Because you could see like a little bit of stuff in there, but you could definitely tell it wasn't full on CGI or else with that budget, it probably would have looked kind of rough. <laughs> so the barn just reminded me, how do you feel about Ty West? I'm a huge Ty West fan, actually, uh, which the only I guess I've seen pretty much most of his films. Of course, Cabin Fever 2 was shit, but I've heard that he like didn't want it to be that way and try to get his name off of it and stuff like that, but... Uh, all of his other films, The Innkeepers, The Sacrament, and then my favorite, House of the Devil, is uh, all three of those I felt like were excellent. So, Have you seen The Roost? No, I haven't. What's that one I about? I think that's his first film, and it's really fun. So, so yeah. Ty is from Wilmington, Delaware, which Hell is yeah. like a stone's throw from where I'm sitting right now. And so I have like big local pride for Ty. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's a great filmmaker and I, I hope he does something soon <laughs> oh he's uh did you see the announcement he's got a movie coming out on a24 and like kid cuddy's one of the main stars There's really like, yeah there was two stars announced and it's going to be putting out on a24 which immediately made me happy because you know they let the filmmakers pretty much do whatever they want so yeah there i know it's like a meme to like make fun of at least on like like film twitter and stuff like yeah. that it's, it's a meme to make fun of uh a24 stuff but like when you're putting out that quality of work across the board like yeah. who's gonna argue with you yeah there's don't get me wrong and there's been some that i feel like have been kind of like letdowns like i didn't really love black code's daughter 
And um, oh, I love that movie. Well, see, I didn't love. So, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen it, but I didn't love that the characters were supposed to be the same character because I felt like they didn't look similar enough. You know what I mean? But uh, so but but the feel. I feel like I feel like that's something I overlooked because of how well he did like like atmosphere and dread in that film. Oh yeah. Like, I feel like he really nailed that and like it's it's something that I think he brought over. Did you see Hansel and Gretel or Gretel and Hansel or whatever version of the story that he named it? No, but uh what's funny is uh w- real quick just to say about Black Coast Slaughter. I will say that it was dreadful as shit the whole time. I liked I think that's why I don't like the movie or I'll say that it's a bummer is because I liked so much of the movie that the payoff was a bummer and with slow burns it's like when the payoff doesn't work it kind of spoils a lot of the movie but it's definitely one that uh I watched back when it like first dropped on like on demand and like uh for rent and stuff like that so I'll probably revisit it because I'll be honest I didn't love like like it follows I didn't love it at first I just thought it was a quality film that was you know okay but now that I've rewatched it it's become one of my favorites of the past few years or whatever but but uh what was the other the other movie we were speaking on real quick? I think we were talking about Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, uh, the, but Hansel and Gretel, when uh, that dropped, I didn't check that out because at first I was like, oh, this is just trying to cash in on like the witch style. And then I was like, I was kind of bummed about it being PG-13. So I kind of let it go by. But um, I'll be honest, lately I've had a, quite a few recommendations tell me to check it out. So would you recommend it as well? Or I think visually it's fucking there. Yeah. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's looks amazing. And a lot of, of what he does well in Black Coat's Daughter that you like, he yeah. does in this. But oh, yeah. I think there's some, it feels a little rushed to me. Like it rushes through its run, like kind of like the last back half of it. Yeah. But uh, from a technical standpoint, it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> it might've rushed because it was supposed to be rated R and they might've taken out some of the gore and shit. So the end might be missing full on scenes and shit like that. But, but uh. Speaking of uh, Gaspar Noah, which was like another one you brought up like super early, but we didn't really talk about any of his films. Did you ever watch uh, Climax by him? That movie fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like every time I watch a Gaspar Noah movie, it fucks me up. Yeah. Hell he's yeah. Just, he's, he's got something special going for him. And I think Climax felt like having a panic attack for yeah. two hours. <laughs> and it was... It, it it's like there's so much to look at and the camera does such wild shit yeah that it's i think it's his most accessible movie to to a public that maybe hasn't seen something that he's done yeah but no. it's also like the most anxiety ridden fucking two hours that i've seen in a while <laughs> yeah no it's intense as fuck from start to finish i'm right there with you you're kind of just like waiting for every like that's the thing is there's not just like one character that's going insane that you're like oh this person might do something crazy the whole time it's like every person is capable of something crazy as shit the yeah whole time, so. it, it, like there's no safety in yeah all unru- unreliable narrators <laughs> and then they put a kid in there too and that just kind of yeah. <laughs> but uh no that movie was and that's another a24 movie but uh to kind of speak on another one that was uh one of my favorites that's a a24 movie is uh and a lot of people don't really see it but uh have you seen the killing of the sacred deer yes yeah that one it's not and a lot of people wouldn't say that's like i know people wouldn't bring that up in a horror conversation but i think it is though yeah no it's there's no it feels way. like it or at least it's using those beats and i, I feel like he does that a lot like yorgos does yeah. a lot of uh even even in uh what was the film before killing of the sacred deer the lobster yeah the lobster even the yeah. lobster feels like you know like some of the the tension 
is set like a, like a horror movie setup. Yeah, it's horror like in the way of like uh, the same way like David Lynch's horror and stuff like that, where it's just like fucking weird and like almost makes you feel dread in a different way. You know what I mean? Especially in Killing of the Sacred Deer, you feel it. Oh yeah, and the characters and the family, and it's also plays with your head as far as like psychological like is that shit even real and you know uh whatnot but the ending of that movie is intense as fuck for sure dude so it's so good (laughs) yeah so uh is there any other movies that uh that you enjoy that you want to mention i keep asking you if you've seen movies and we talk about (laughs) (laughs) no because i feel like if i if i was on the other side of the table i'd be asking you all kinds of goofy shit like have you seen day of the beast or (laughs) what's that about uh so that's so, so Severin's doing like a big restoration process for, for that and Perdita Durango. It's, it's a director from Mexico yeah. and his name is Alex de la Iglesia and his work is really interesting. So, so that film is kind of like a priest it goes into a city to go try to stop like the end of the world from happening. Okay. And it, it's like, he kind of like runs into like a like a heavy metal dude that he like hangs out with and they're trying to find how to stop this from happening. It, yeah. It's really funny and like gory and and silly and beautifully shot and super fun. Hell yeah. Now I've been uh I've been trying to check out some more like very uh under the radar movies but like as far like the furthest I've dived is probably like uh I don't know if you've ever seen Hellmaster with John Saxon and I've seen like that's Demon a Vincent or that's a vinegar syndrome guy, right? Yeah, both of those are vinegar. I haven't uh, seen that yet, but I'm interested. I think it's my next, my next question was gonna be about a vinegar syndrome release. So I'm having like a real moment with Mexican cinema right now. <laughs> yeah. So um have you seen or heard about Don't Panic? <laughs> I've uh I saw when a lot of people were buying it, like because I think it's like kind of one of the newer releases they did, but I, I don't know anything about it. Uh do you mind telling me a little bit about it? sure thing i would love to (laughs) so so don't panic is from i I, the director's name is is blanking for me right now yeah but like they just released like three of his films and one of them was a cemetery of terror which is if you love fulci you're gonna love this hell yeah so don't panic is his version of a freddy krueger story Oh, fuck. That actually, I'm already hooked. I might try to find that shit, like, tonight. <laughs> so it, it has, like, this real, like, you know that, that facade that happens with some, some uh, like, international films that'll be, like, this is America, and it's, like, here's Kellogg's, and here's a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, and here's a Budweiser, yeah, and here's a flag, here's America. <laughs> so it has all of that going for it. But your lead is like twenty eight or twenty nine playing like seventeen, <laughs> and he wears dinosaur footy pajamas for the entirety of the film. <laughs> oh fuck, yeah, I'm sold on that shit. I was sold at the uh the sharp anjobian in the movie, let alone the uh, kid in footy pajamas man. <laughs> shit there was a um there was a movie I was gonna ask you if you had seen, and I could police based on that shit too. I was I was just getting into the, uh, don't panic too much, man. I was like, we're oh, getting into, we're getting into the gigglies, and then we forget to talk about things. <laughs> oh yeah, this movie I can't remember if it was a good one or a bad one either, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll go ahead and ask you some of the uh, hypothetical questions, and then if you think of movies, feel free to shoot them out, of course, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> oh yeah. So I know you guys aren't. Um, which I meant to ask you earlier. Are you? I know you said like you're working and stuff full time now and uh, all that. But do you do any other bands that are like currently playing or? Yeah, so um, 
so me and Brandon from Crucial Dudes mm. are playing with our friend Kevin from Espiga. Okay. He has a, a solo project called Graduation Speech, and we just tracked back in October. We tracked like three songs. Um, I don't know when or what it's going to look like when they come out, Yeah. but that's something we're doing. And then Brandon also plays in a band called God Damn It okay. from Philly that are awesome, post-hardcore, small brown bike type of stuff. Yeah. And then Alec and Cheeks also play in a band called Cabana Wear with some friends of ours that's like kind of like lemonheads or or not a surf type of stuff that's really great yeah hell yeah there's all my plugs out of the way <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah well now i meant to ask you at the top of the show just because uh like for instance my next question is if somebody approached you and you we could just use your next project which i do it really doesn't matter if you choose a song or anything i just um didn't want to use crucial dudes if it's not really you know active if you have something active so uh but say somebody approached you about your next project, you know, when the album drops and all that and says, uh, we want to shoot a music video and we want it to be one of your favorite horror movies turned into like a short film version for a music video. You know, uh, what horror movie would you choose and how would you turn it into a music video? So I would love to do like a Night of the Demons. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Rip <laughs> for fun. I, I think hypothetically, if Crucial Dudes is a thing, yeah. I think that would be a fun one to do. Like, just, like, the, the party vibe of everything. No, that'd be funny as shit, especially if you had one of the dudes dress up in the pink dress that, uh, like, played Linnea Quigley character. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm going to go full stooge, baby. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fucking, I love that. I was actually watching the remake recently, which, you know, is completely different, but it's still, like, so fucking out there and crazy that it's... Oh, uh, little Eddie, Eddie Furlong. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, a, uh, it's pretty much him and what like a bunch of uh, women that were willing to get naked in movies back in the early 2000s. <laughs> it's like whoever was willing to get topless in a movie and Eddie Furlong is going to be the cast of this film. So. Roll a minute. <laughs> but now this was, a, uh, but no, that's a very good one. That would be cool. Cause like you could very well shrink it. into you know, you could just like do like a little intro piece and then the bat shit part could be during the song. And then it could just have like a little close, you know, close. Right even the just that film, just like there's that scene where, where angela's is her name angela in the movie i think so it's either angela or angelica it's one of the two i think it's angela though she's like she dances to that Bauhaus song yeah and it's like the fucking raddest three minutes in a movie ever just have that be the music video and just like at the very end after it just have her like uh devour people and shit like yeah (laughs) but uh so say somebody approached you and they said hey i want to make you a custom guitar and they you know we'll either paint it or we can completely you know, fabricate the body into some weird shape and it, you know, to where it's not even playable and it's just like a wall piece. Uh, but they want to do it with like a horror movie customization, obviously. What horror movie would you get? And like, how would you get a customized? And like, would you get an amp or would you get like a guitar or like what? Okay, so so give me a guitar. Hell yeah. Give me a, te- give me a Telecaster that's all fleshy and fucked up and weird. And it looks <laughs> like it's the gun in Videodrome. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> i've been thinking about this one for a couple of days and i was like i think that's gonna be the stupidest thing i could say <laughs> hell yeah now i think uh that one and then uh somebody said the guitar from from dust till dawn one time because you know oh, it's like that would sport. be fun and yeah. i think i think someone was it, it i forget who it was on on your podcast but somebody talked about the driller killer from slumber party massacre 2 oh yeah drill gun like that would be pretty fun too. <laughs> yeah. Now that's one that I would definitely uh, pick up myself. I'm surprised Trick or Treat hasn't done like a, 
like a faux guitar version yeah, of it. Yeah, like a nice little replica. It would be like fun to have. <laughs> Hell yeah. Now I'd pick one up for sure. I've been meaning to pick up one of those uh, cotton candy props to put behind me from Killer Clowns eventually. But... Oh, that's so rad. Yeah, that's another classic uh, favorite of mine for sure. But So uh, would you ever want to score a horror movie if given the chance? And if so, what kind of... Uh you know like what kind of horror movie would you want to do like a slasher like something just fun or would you want to do something like uh hereditary or black coat's daughter that was just like very dreadful and shit like that so i'm putting the filler out now like hit me up start (laughs) a band to sound like giallo soundtracks with me right now fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) i saw goblin on a halloween a couple years ago and goblin was crazy yeah i don't think my chops are there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but but i'll give it the old college try start a giallo band with me <laughs> <laughs> shit it's just a bunch of funky bass and shit like that man it's so funky <laughs> shit i'd play i was actually just looking the other day i was trying to find tabs because i wanted to just learn some of the songs but it was all bass and i'm like i don't have a bass i need to, <laughs> I need a bass. but uh <laughs> like all the guitar parts are just like waka, 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 waka. <laughs> yeah it sounds like uh fucking tom Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> Now that shit's like super funky. It's almost like a fucking jam band. It's like so it's just like so cool, and it's so it's too smart for me. I don't know. I don't know anything out of four four times. So sorry. <laughs> no, uh, the deep red soundtrack just like some parts of that shit. Like there's one part of the movie I think where I want to say it's like one of the first kills. The one that he like sees up. Uh, you seen deep red, right? Yes. The one where he like sees or get killed up in the balcony or whatever while he's like down there with uh, his friend or whatever yeah like the first kill i think that well no i think i think it's the second kill you see because the first one's the boy killing the or you know whatever you see at the beginning but when he sees her there's like a it shows like the kill like when it's showing close-ups and shit and that shit's so funky i'm sitting there like headbanging while this chick's getting murdered i'm like oh good and then there's like that scene where he's like walking through that like mansion yeah and he's looking for that he's gonna find that like painting behind the the wall and it's just him walking up and down corridors and it's like yeah it just like builds and it like there's like an off time in it too and it's so fucking trippy but it's so like it sucks you into the screen i love fucking giallo music so much yeah hell yeah now actually uh deep red is probably one of my favorites it's got that really tense scene where he's like I think it's when he's playing piano and then he hears something at the door and he like walks up and locks it, but then you keep hearing shit at the door and stuff like that. But now I've actually started to dive into that stuff as much as I can recently. But uh, that's actually what I was going to mention earlier was the movie. I was going to say, I think I actually just recently saw for the first time, my new favorite Fulci film. And that's uh, don't torture a duckling. Have you seen that yet? Oh dude. Top three Fulci. Yeah, dude, that shit was intense. I fucking, it's I, such a great movie. Yeah. And I love how it played out, you know, how like it makes you, very well assume that it's you know one thing from the start and then at that you know halfway mark it's like it obviously can't be but the part where they like the townspeople like pretty much lynch somebody i won't say it's you know so gnarly. yeah and no. there's like this fucking movie's dark man <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that shit's crazy that one and then uh as far as like argento goes i think my favorite is probably tenembrae i don't that movie's great too yeah. uh that might be his most like thoughtfully put together murder set pieces <laughs> yeah like th- that film feels like an art piece to me uh along with Suspiria yeah uh, have you ever seen the psychic like Fulci's it's it's it's, it's like super early Fulci Mm-mm. really cool film I, I think you would you'd know the soundtrack from like something they list from Kill Bill oh, okay hell yeah I love Kill Bill but it's like <laughs> I, I definitely check that one out if you can 
And yeah. uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin is also great, too. I think oh, Fulci's yeah. Giallo, like, hit so different <laughs> than the rest <laughs> of his filmography. Yeah. Which is, like, you know, the, he he does doom and, and foggy, gross, decaying atmosphere so well. Yeah. That, like, you forget that he could also kind of craft these really cool little mystery pieces that are also kind of smart. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. No, he's one that I'm like starting to dive more back into his stuff. I kind of spent more time with Argento. Now I'm starting to try to watch like the Fulci stuff. Like with Argento, I've seen a lot of the classic stuff, you know, uh, opera, Inferno, Suspiria, all that stuff. Opera is pretty cool too, how it's like he puts the razor blades on her eye or the nails or whatever on her eyes. But Fulci, I've only really seen like three or four of his movies. I've seen Zombie, of course. And then I've seen uh, The House by the Cemetery and what's the the other one in the City of the Living Dead I've seen. So I think the only one I haven't seen is The Beyond in that trilogy. The Beyond's my favorite of his films. Yeah. It's like a totally different world of Hell yeah. just like fucked up. He's he's such an interesting filmmaker because he did so much. Yeah. Like he's just goes like he would go and do like, you know, he's going to do a Western and then he does like whatever the fuck The Devil's Honey is. I don't even know what The Devil's Honey is. <laughs> but I know it's fucking great. Hell Yeah. Now, but uh, them too, and then of course, like uh, I, I've seen Cronenberg's bigger movies, but I'm starting to dive back into his some some of his stuff that I hadn't seen. Like uh, I'm planning to watch Shiver soon because I've never seen that, and I just will actually watched The Brood for the first time the other day as well. That was excellent. So that movie's awesome and super heavy. Yeah. I actually I just watched Existence for the first time last year. Okay, hell yeah, what's that and, about? And so that was like it. It's kind of I think it would be a perfect like little like companion piece to Possessor. Yeah it's like some kind of weird not so far off future where there's like people that get these bioport things installed to them so they can play video games forever oh shit and it's like the video game the video game that they're playing like sucks you into this other world yeah that's like almost like exact like it feels like reality and it goes into like some pretty cool places it feels like it feels like Cronenberg touching on like every single thing that he did in his career mm. and then kind of being like, ah, it's all fucking shit anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a fun, it's super fun. I, I really liked it. No, I'll definitely check that out. As soon as you said video games, I just thought about brain scan. I was like more 80 furlong, <laughs> man. <laughs> but, uh, so we could, uh, my final question for you, man, is do you have any horror stories of your own and they can be from either being on the road or it could be, you know, something that just happened to you that was scary as shit or supernatural, uh, you know, if you're a believer? Nothing too crazy. I think the only thing that might qualify is Crucial Dudes was on tour. Uh, this was like maybe 2010-ish. And we played this spot in west virginia i'm not gonna name any names yeah. but we it, it was like a weird turnout lots of weird old dudes hanging out in west virginia and like we got stiffed on payment <laughs> and then it was like oh well i don't have any money for you guys but like i'm throwing this really bitchin party at my house if you want to come hang out <laughs> and we're like 21 22 years old and we're like fuck it sure yeah better than nothing so, so we like pack up and the homeboy comes back and he's like hey so like it's not at my house it's at my dad's house we're like all right cool i guess we'll do that then so then we like roll up to this house and it's like typical west virginia looking 
kind of area. And we, like, come in, and everyone's, like, kind of just floating in. There's, like, decent amount of people here. Yeah. And, like, like walking through, and there's, like, a weird, like, roped-off closet type of area. And then there's just, like, a... And it ends up being like three or four dogs that this dude's dad has corralled into a into like a weird closet space. Yeah. So that like put a damper on the rest of the night, and then it just got weird from there. And then I don't remember anything because I passed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's never good, man. Passing out in West Virginia. I'm surprised you didn't wake up with like a. A basket case brother on you or something <laughs> like in a deliverance situation i didn't yeah. want to have to squeal <laughs> yeah wake up with your arms missing you're like what the fuck <laughs> no nah, that's uh that's always sketchy and i mean and no hate to west virginia because you know they got some cool shit too but no nah, they're fine they're a fine place and i love their mothman <laughs> yeah as i was gonna say they got some cool places too especially with like the mothman museum and everything but there's also some sketchy places. So, I mean, adding the name West Virginia always makes it just a little sketchier, especially when you're not from there because then you don't really know. You know, you just hear what you hear out in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So, hell yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. Uh, Dude, you- thank you for kicking it with me. This was super fun for a Monday night. <laughs> hell yeah. Do you want to remind everybody, uh, like, do you want to tell them where to find you on personal stuff so that way they can, like, find out about future projects and stuff as they roll out? Yeah, man. If you want to hear me ramble about whatever or movies or something you can find me uh, across the board at at bone gripper oh yeah and then uh if you're interested in the crucial dudes records i think we have like maybe a hundred left of the pressing uh you can find us at crucialdudes.bandcamp.com or at crucial dudes on twitter oh yeah now i was actually about to ask if you had enough left that you think there might be a few left by the end of february so there might be a few still sitting around there so. might be a few left so i yeah. hope if 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 this is a, if if it if it does better than I'm expecting it to, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry that you didn't get a record. Oh yeah. And either way, I'll uh, link the Bandcamp down so that way, even if you know they didn't get a record, but they want to you know support you know through purchase some music that way, they can as well. So. Sure thing, man. Thank you for having me on this podcast where you interview actual cool people. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I'll- And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening. And don't forget to check back on Friday as my guest is going to be the one and only Jeremy Baum from the bands Touche Amore and Hesitation Wounds, as well as the first ever podcast. And don't forget about the Patreon dropping on March 1st. You can get all the details over on Instagram. And don't forget to follow the Facebook and Twitter as well. Go check out Loudmouth Threads who do this awesome original podcast artwork and stay safe.